emerging from the post-soul shift and proofing chaplaincy model is a paralyzing notion that one, America is God's favorite nation, and two, conservative religiosity will somehow win souls. Thus, views represented by sayings such as make America great again, taking back our country, America has lost its way, and America is the immoral harlot are popular among both politicians and Christian leaders who want to prove something about a lost or immoral generation or culture. These represent an ideological structure, worldview, and social construct, and are often codes for making America white again, underlying the theme of Donald Trump's political campaign, Make America Great Again. Taking back our country from immigrants, conservative evangelicals' views on immigration and undocumented people groups, especially from black and brown countries. The belief that America has lost its white roots, the alt-right's view of what is happening to white America. The belief that America is much too liberal and liberalism is akin to sin, many current views regarding a leftist perspective, and a desire to return to fill in the blank of a perceived era of innocence. Obviously, these do not encompass or include ethnic minorities. These tropes are exclusionary and mean little to no, to nothing, to most in the post-soul context. Y'all, this is Daniel Whitehodge. I'm your host for Profane Faith. I've been reading an excerpt from my latest book, Homeland Insecurity, a hip-hop missiology for the post-civil rights context. To find out more, go to www.whitehodge.com. That's www.whitehodge.com. And pick up your copy of Homeland Insecurity. They're on sale right now, yo. All right, let's get in this. He said, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. I think she's a liar and I think she deserves mockery. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important. White lives are very important. And to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn! This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel Whitehodge. Hey, hey, profane faithers. How y'all doing out there in profane faith land? Oh, yes. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. Well, what'd y'all think? Last week, huh? <laughs> I told y'all I had a lot to say. But I had a lot to uh, break down and, uh, you know, get in on. So I had to, you know, break a little something, something off and all that good stuff. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. I, I know I enjoyed all the emails and response from people. Um, I was blown away just by the support and by people who were, you know, just basically just just supporting a brother and just wanting to say, man, thank you so much for saying what you had to say. I, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Because, uh, yeah, man, you know, the, the bullshit continues. And, uh, you know, like I said, bullshit or, or talk is is cheap and, uh, you know, and bullshit walks. So uh, or some saying like that. <laughs> but uh, the reality of it is, is that, yeah, I, you know, I got more in me. And I and I appreciate those of you who reached out and were like, hey, next time you got a rant, uh, you know, call a, call somebody up. I, and I definitely will. I think 
if I had known some of you folks have been been ready, I would have definitely called. I um, I always loved uh, you know to to have dialogue with folks you know on the show, and that was the first time I've kind of just besides you know me telling my story uh, in the first episode. That's the first time I really just kind of went mono, but you know, hey, I just had to, you know, break a few things down and, and whatnot. And I, and, and it came up so quickly that I was like, ain't nobody going to be ready. Everybody's schedule all tapped out and wiped out and everything. So, um, I just went in, but thanks for those again, listening. And, uh, if you heard the beginning, you know, that was a little clip from, uh, my latest book. Um, that was out of I think, chapter two, I believe. So, um, yeah, you know, if you are, interested in more of what a brother's got to say homeland insecurity and also you know brothers out there uh trying to hustle you know have a brother out to speak that's always a good thing um i do have a price chart but you know i'll work with you so long as you know you don't come at me with like you know hundred dollars for like a, a week's worth of speaking <laughs> you know what i'm saying um but nah, y'all wouldn't do that. Profane Faith family wouldn't do that. Um, you know, there's some other cats that are out there that try to, you know, get a brother to go uh, in on, um, uh, you know, to go lower on my, <laughs> my prices and everything, man. I'm always just like, uh, no, 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 not not today. I, you know, my $5,000 a class um, uh, PhD courses, they weren't... Um, I couldn't just go and say, hey, you know, uh, I'll get you on the next week. Is that cool? <laughs> so at any rate, man, thank you guys uh, so much for the feedback. And again, uh, if you want to have a brother out, I, I'm going to keep pushing this just a little bit because, you know, I'm actually if you know, if I'm in true transparency, um, you know, as we as as I am, I try to be on this show in true transparency. I am really moving into a different realm of the speaking circuit, really trying to look at academic realms, uh, particularly places like Duke Divinity, uh, Princeton, uh, Harvard, places like that, that I feel have a little bit more Union Theological Seminary, have a little bit more of a progressive mindset. I think most evangelical uh, seminaries are still etched in a very conservative way, and most of them are still still trying to battle out is race even a a topic we need to cover my problem with a lot of evangelical seminaries is that you know race and culture and the african-american diaspora latinx diaspora asian diaspora all those are just to the side they are extra and most of the times they are not required courses and so students graduate with a deficit sure you may know how to exegete the hell out of exodus and uh, jeremiah but do you know how to handle your LGBTQ neighbor um, and, and family that's, that's living right across the street from your parish? You know, do you understand the differences between a gang, a clique um, and a crew uh, in your neighborhood? Um, are you understanding the history of policing for black people? Um, that's part of what I look about is with education. But in most, again, evangelical seminaries are not are not about that. Their foremost goal and formative goal uh, is really to train people, quote unquote, in the biblical truths of the gospel, um, which cool. That's great. But uh, are you actually being racially relevant? Are you reading somebody other than a white male um, as as a teacher? Um, and most places like that just aren't. And so guess what? A brother don't fit. <laughs> right. A brother don't get them callbacks to go back and speak at chapel. Right. They I'm not a domesticated nigga. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, a lot of white folks, they, you know, they, they want the uh, well, there's it's two cases. I always like to say this. It's like 
I think white progressives sometimes, they remind me of like uh, folks who are like into S&M and sadomasochism, right? It's like, you know, you go to some white progressives and they just like, yo, yeah, beat me with that. Tell me I'm a, a, a white whore. Tell me I'm a, a, a white privileged sucker. Yeah, that's right. Whip me, beat me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then they don't do shit with it. It's just during that time, we just go and, you know, whip each other with whatever, you know, kind of new theory that's coming out. And yes, we all read bell hooks, <laughs> right? Um, and then there's nothing that comes of that. Nothing. We still go back to our corners and nothing freaking changes. Um, and then you've got the, 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 the kind of the more conservative or centrist crowd that really just looks at it kind of like, well, I just want a black preacher. Can you hoop and holler? Can you scream a little bit? Can we can we act like we can dance, but then really don't dance on stage? And 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 then can we make a little pun about me being white and you being black and how great that was? You know, all that bullshit. And I don't fit really into any of those categories. I've done them. I've done them in true transparency, right? I've done them. Um, but at where I'm at presently, where I'm at right now, yo, I don't, I don't, I don't fit that. And, and so, um, you know, some white folks don't find out until I get there and they're like, oh shit. Um, uh, well, well, you know, but I did have a couple of people rescind their, their, uh, their invitations, which I was cool with. You know what I'm saying? I was cool. I ain't pissed off. I'm like, good. You did your homework. That's good. That's real good. You know, and I ain't changing. I, Cause I put all my stuff out there. I don't hide anything. I am who I am. And if you don't, if you don't want it, then just don't call. I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? Go on with it somewhere. Go on and get you. Um, well, I ain't going to name any names. I know uh, brother Dr. Gave is. He got receipts. Um, uh, I got receipts too, but, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the gloves on, at least for this one. Uh, naming names of some of the domesticated and uh, uh, more fun Negroes that are out there that are Christians that are that are nicer to bring to your conference and to your uh, chapel service, you know, and they'll hoop and holler and say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, you know, run up and down the stage and start singing and shaking their ass. And, you know, white folks love that. They love that little coon image, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and to be the truth, white supremacy likes that. And let me take that away just from white people. White supremacy likes that. And white, and to be white supremacist, you don't have to be white. All right? Let's just break that, dead, break that shit down right now. Huh? You don't have to be white to be white. I've talked about that on this show before. And so uh, white supremacy culture, uh, that ideology, is something that is very, very powerful and there are plenty of black folk latinx folk asian folk uh who fit right into that and they like that right they like that oh yeah hoop and holler yes that's right shake your booty it's like that brother i don't know if y'all remember the old movie i'm gonna get you sucker i love that movie man i love that and the hollywood shuffle all them back to 80s 90s or late 80s early 90s films and uh, there's this one scene where uh, I believe it's Greer, Brother Greer, um, not Broderick Greer, but uh, oh, he's an actor. He used to be on Living Color, and he was a reporter. And the brother man was talking to him. He's like, "Yeah, you know what I mean, brother." And he was like, "Well, actually, I don't. I grew up in the suburbs, and you know, I, I'm a Bruce Springsteen, and oh, I just like I dance when he gets in. You know, he gets all into it, and then he catches himself like, whoa, yo, there are plenty of black pastors like that. Plenty of Latinx, Asian pastors as well." Right. And they look edgy. They got the tattoo. Maybe they got, you know, some some skinny ass jeans, you know, where you can see like your goddamn wallet, you know, up in there. They use the coins in the goddamn pocket and shit. So, you know, I think <laughs> the reality of it is, is that I'm just not that that cat. And, you know, I don't know. I like to say, you know, I am like 120 proof, you know, single barrel 
you know, uh, uh, bourbon and whiskey. I'm a whiskey guy. So, um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a wine cooler. Uh, I'm not a, a hard mic, a lemon, you know, <laughs> things like this. That's what some people, that's as far as they can go, right? A hard mic's lemonade. That's just, I'm good, man. Woo, that was, that was good. Oh, my goodness. You know, they just, they going off of that, right? Uh, it's like with salsa and, and spice and stuff, man. You know, people here in the Midwest, man, they can't be handling my spice. They're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so spicy food. What did you put in that? Uh, tomato? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, have mercy, man. Y'all can't, you know. So I, I know when I cook, I have to throw down. If you've been to my house, you already know I can throw down. But, um, you know, when I when I bring out my stuff, it, it's spicy as hell, man. I, I want to get a tear in my eye when I when I bite into something, right? But I already know. I mean, I almost burnt out my wife when we was first married, man. Woo, doggies, Lord have mercy. All right. So, again, uh <laughs> That was a long spiel to, to, to get somebody to, to bring a brother out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, you know, I've just gotten to the place where I'm just comfortable with who I am. I'm not trying to be somebody different. I don't want to be somebody different. I want to be the tr same person that you're hearing here. This is what you're going to see, who you're going to see in person, who you're going to see up on stage, and who you're going to see um, out there uh, hanging around. I want to be that. I'm not perfect. Um, I am. I have just identified with my sins. I have begun to embrace some of them and realize that some of them are just not going to go away easily. Most of them are just going to continue to be around, and I'm going to have to manage them. I think the understanding of this this ideology of being perf perfect and this perfectionism uh, has destroyed many of us. And 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 I am after the authentic self. I am, and I'm trying to work at that. I'm not always that. You can talk to my wife. You can talk to my daughter. I am not always that. But I am trying to live that authentic life and trying to live <sighs> trying to live the best life I can given the well, the short amount of time that we have on this earth. Um, I am also trying to figure out, you know, what it, you know, where where, where do I fit? How do I fit into this life? And ultimately, you know, what's where's 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 what's the spoke that I'm going to fit into? Um, and I'm, you know, I'm still figuring some of that stuff out. I'm still trying to 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 get me wrap my head around that and trying to wrap my head around uh, what that means. And in that process, I think, you know, that tends, you know, that tends to put me at odds and ends with with certain things. And I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. I've really gotten to the point now. I feel like all of my life I've been I've spent trying to be other things that people wanted to be and i just you know you finally get to a space where you get whiplash right it's just like i'm tired of trying to look around all over and this is who i am this is this is me and if and if and if it is it isn't what you want cool i'm, I'm cool you know i'm i'm all right with that um and i ain't always all right with that you know um i have to back away from social media sometimes because it pisses me off that they invite the same motherfucker every single time out to speak right um, but that's okay. You know, it's cool. It's all good. I try to, you know, get my get my bearings and, and realize my path is different. Comparison will kill you. And I'm speaking to myself now. Comparison, Dan, will kill you. Stop it. Stop running with comparison. Um, because, man, it's, it, is, it is a mother sucker. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, well, how come I ain't getting caught? How come I that? And then I get angsty. I don't know if y'all get angsty out there. I get angsty uh, as a black man who's educated. And I think for that stuff, I'm like, well, how come I haven't gotten what I feel like I should be getting? Oh, man. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm speaking to somebody out there, right? Um, and so, yeah, I get angsty. And then I just get I get uh, pissed. I get frustrated. And that's just shit I don't, just don't need in my life. That's, that's the fat that I need to cut out. 
Uh, so for a lot of it, I have been trying to cut back on, you know, some of my social media engagement and stuff because it is every time I found that, you know, nine times out of 10, when I open up my social media, I I get pissed off of something. It, either it's some news story, either it's I'm hearing somebody and how they, you know, uh, are being invited to all these places and they're just thanking God. Right. Um, I tell you, man, it's this shit is real. So. That's just me. Uh, that's just where I'm at. Again, true transparency. So, you know, if this is what you're looking for, for your environment, call a brother out. I'll be there. But I am in the process and um, uh, of trying to figure that out. And I know I got to get into the, the the word of branding and, and figuring all that mess out. I feel like, man, here at age 45, I'm still... You know, you think, oh, man, you've reached, uh, you know, some level of, 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 of stability, man. But you know what I'm saying? I'm still struggling on my goddamn... Frequent flyer miles. I still ain't in the goddamn gold club. You know what I'm saying? I don't get to go to the airport and just sit up in the in the damn lounge up there and you know and, and drink the free sodas and shit. You know I, that ain't me. I'm still trying to you know scrape by with Southwest, right? I I don't have uh, thousands of miles that I can go places. You know what I'm saying? I just I don't. And so sometimes it wears on a brother. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my wife and I went off credit cards in 2011, so I haven't had a credit card since. So I can't just show up to places. People say, oh, just put on the credit card. We'll pay you back. I ain't got no goddamn credit card. Okay, so when I show up to the hotel and hand them my debit card, they take it out. That deposit, they taken it out of the debit card, and then they'll refund it when you leave, okay? Um, and that's maybe five to seven days that your bank puts that money back in. I remember the first time I went to AAR and I paid for, I saved up an entire year to go to AAR. And I remember I showed up, I got, had the roommate and the whole nine, right? And I showed up and I put my credit card. I was like, you know, this is for the, the room, you know, the hold of the room. Well, not, not even the hold of the room, but just the, you know, when you check in, you got to give them the credit card. Um, and they charged, it was $150 at this damn hotel that that was the deposit. And I got back and I was like, uh, how the hell am I going to eat for the next four days? <laughs> and then they screwed it up. And my roommate, they charged his um uh, 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 deposit on my credit card. So now I'm out $300. <laughs> Lord have mercy. That was rough. So that's where I've been at for a long time, though. You know what I'm saying? I don't have, like I said, I don't have a credit You see me whipping out a credit card? That is a debit card, yo. So, oh man, I don't know. I I struggle. I struggle because uh, uh, you know, there's there's times where I feel like I should be in a different spot. It was like that time when I was in the unemployment line with a PhD, books, publications, the whole nine, and I felt like I shouldn't be here. And I remember God speaking to me and saying, "You think you're better than the folks here? You think you know that you just because you got a degree and you got some books." And, you know, you think, I was like, whoa, whoa, damn. Um, okay, let me take a step back here. So, <sighs> trying to practice, as they say in therapy, right? Differentiation so that my feelings, I don't have to identify so strong with my feelings that I act out, um, you know, the dysfunction and stuff. I'm trying to, you know, process some of this stuff. So, you know, keep a brother lifted up, man. It's, it's, you know, it's a crazy world out there. It's a crazy craziness. And just in terms of just trying to, you know, figure out which way is up the old film by, uh, um, uh, if you know, uh, uh, uh the old film by Richard Pryor, if you, it's a great film, you know, trying to figure out which way is up when he loses everything. And, and that's when he, that's when he begins and that's the end of the film. Right. You know, so it's, it's, it's a deep film, it's funny, but it's a deep film. Um, so 
yeah, you know, um, oh my, crazy stuff going on. Well, let me get, uh, let me get to my guest this week. Um, wow, man, uh, she's awesome. She is, uh, well, I first found her, this is, uh, Bianca Louis, uh, and she, I first saw her on, I believe we started following each other on Twitter. And I was just like, man, her tweets are off the chain. She is written for the Salt Collective, and and she's you know she has other uh, things that she's put out. And I was like, man, I just I got to get you on the show. And so uh, she's an aspiring PhD uh, researcher, youth organizer, uh, ethnic studies teacher, and she just has just one of those stories that I was like, you got to be on profane fate. Uh, so Biak and I uh, connected. Uh, and she got a chance to share just her story and, uh, you know, where she's been from a religious and faith perspective. And, uh, you know, it's 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 amazing to me to hear everybody's like, this is what I'm starting to say just because I'm in the Marvel Universe and saw Captain Marvel. Right. Um, and that our origin stories are all unique and they're great and they're valued. They're needed uh, in this day and age, uh, particularly in an age where. It's, it feels like at times, again, if you just follow a social media trail, that we've all just gotten to this place and, you know, and, and we don't see the hard work behind what it takes to get to a certain place. And even if you don't have five million followers or whatever, it takes a certain level of work, of determination uh, to survive just the day to day. And I was like, man, I got to get Bianca on here. So I did. And I was very privileged to hear the story and, you know, have it uh, be a conversation here on Profane Faith. As always, I'll put uh, any links of hers or writings. I'll put those in the show notes, whitehodgepodcast.com. Again, if you're looking for a good speaker or, or thinker or somebody just to help consult, whitehodge.com. Come check a brother out. Drop me a line. There's there. Tell me what you're thinking of the show. I appreciate all the fan mail. That's good. And critiques and insights are always good as well. So, without any further ado, y'all, here's Bianca and I having an amazing conversation. Check it out. Recording. We are good to go. Bianca, welcome to Profane Face. Thank you. I am excited to chat with you. I am too, finally, after uh, so many uh, rendezvous on Twitter to try yeah. to... <laughs> make yes, this happen. Well, we're both busy i'm sure so uh yes well i mean i know you've listened to the show i am excited to have you on i know just watching your tweets and and and, and twitter feed and all that good stuff i'm like man this woman got all kind of good stuff going on so <laughs> break it down a little bit tell us a little bit about like who you are how did you get from birth to now what's 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 been happening in between those Ooh, birth those... to now <laughs> okay well i feel like if we're gonna start there we need to start with like the ancestors right? come on come on <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, let's see. Okay, a little bit about me. I yeah, I'm based in Oakland right now. Um, I was born in LA. Oh, nice. What part? So yeah, my parents. I'm the first in my family to be born in this country. My parents immigrated here uh, from Hong Kong in the early '70s, I believe. Um, and so I always shared that because my parents being immigrants were a formative part of my life growing up and even now, right? Um, and so they came, uh, they met each other here, they got married, they had me. Um, and so most of my childhood was spent in a predominantly Asian suburb outside of LA, San Gabriel Valley. Oh, um, yeah. You could live there and not learn to speak English and you'll be good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was, yeah, my upbringing. My, I remember... A lot of my childhood was spent 
going to things like Chinese school on Saturdays. Um, a lot of my childhood was spent in the car and stuck in traffic. Um, we, let's see, there's so much to talk about. Oh, I know, I know, I know this. That's why I asked that question. Yeah. There's, there's... So from birth, right? Um, <laughs> let's see, yeah. So yeah, where I grew up was predominantly Asian suburb. It was interesting growing up there because where I went to school was extremely different. And so you're, I know you hmm. went to Fuller, so you're familiar with that whole area. I went to school, um, in a very like upper middle class, um, bougie part of Pasadena. Hmm. Okay. And so I, we had to commute a little to go to school and I definitely felt a dichotomy between how I grew up and how a lot of my peers grew up. Um, the school was pretty progressive but it was a private school and you know being first generation to go to college for example like that was an experience that was definitely unique to me and not necessarily my peers right mm. so a lot of the stuff that I had to figure out uh, I had to figure out on my own and didn't have a lot of folks who maybe they looked like me but didn't necessarily reflect a lot of the experiences I had um, mm. socioeconomically or culturally right okay um yeah, my dad was a used car salesman and he still is in the industry. He is still working crazy hours um, selling cars and he had his own business for a while. Um, hmm. And so all of that is formative because what else? I mean, this is profane faith, so I feel like it's important to talk also about my spiritual formation. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, my, so my parents are not Christian. They're Buddhist. My mom is actually pretty... Um, devout, I guess. Um, All right. I had a friend who in high school invited me to her church youth group uh, at a Chinese immigrant church. And it was the first time I felt like I was around people who looked like me, who was actually from my neighborhood, uh, who kind of reflected my experiences a little bit more. And so I was like, this is amazing. Like there's opportunities to like form community outside of, you know, the world of my school that I only knew. Um, and so, yeah, it was a great experience for me. I had a lot of questions. Uh, I would ask things like, why does the Bible um, say this about women, for example? Like, why does it say this about slavery? And uh, mm. they were very welcoming of my questions. And at the same time, it was very clear uh, they had very specific politics, right? Like, I think at the same time, um, Prop 8 was happening. And so they had, they were very active. I mean, you don't see Chinese American Christians that politically active unless it is about gay marriage. Um, mm, is that so right? Were, yes. I mean, I'm speaking in generalities, right? Um, and so that was kind of my introduction to Christianity, right? So I had a lot of really great mentors who were really welcoming of my questions and critical thinking. And at the same time, it was very clear that they were very much propagating like right wing conservative politics. Mm. Um, and so I felt like I belonged there, but it definitely felt very contradictory because um, you know, I had the space to ask these questions, but ultimately for me as, you know, at times in high school, also, also questioning my sexuality, like it was very clear that this would not be a safe space for that. Mm. Um, or what else? Like there weren't, I don't think there were any women pastors. Um, I don't think they ordain women as pastors still. Um, and so I think, I think that's a lot of people's experience with churches or ethnic churches in particular, where it's a place of community, um, for me as a youth, I felt like I could really grow as a leader. I got to have community with kids who shared my background and at the same time felt a very like contradictory kind of belonging where it felt like other parts of my identity and also my kind of political development. Um, I wouldn't call it that at the time, but 
you know, the politics that I, I now have was and is not welcome there. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was a lot of my experience. And then growing up, um, ultimately I do say I had a positive experience there. Um, hmm. and then for school, I went to college, uh, in Oakland at Mills. It's all women's college. Um, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So that was like 10 years ago. And so since then I've been in Oakland after that, I, um, after undergrad, I stayed in Oakland and I worked with InterVarsity for a few years. Um, I left after the purge. Actually, before the purge, I purged myself. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Like, All not right. looking good. I need to get out of here. And then, yeah, after that, have just since then been on a journey of teaching, uh, figuring out my bigger next career steps, um, deconstructing faith, figuring out community, all that good stuff. Man, so okay, so you're you're talking about some 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 good time. Like this is right around the time that I was obviously still in there. So you talked about Prop Eight. Um, <laughs> let me let me let me let me get into that for just a little bit because I think I find it interesting. Um, and I know you are now you pursuing a PhD in sociology. You're done with a PhD in sociology. No, I am just beginning my process of applying. <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yes. So I, so I'd be curious because I just remember when Prop Eight came. This was right at the time when I was just processing the whole same-sex marriage thing and 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 working out my own theological construction around that. But I think I was took um, by the amount of ethnic minorities, like you said, that that uh, came out the woodworks. I mean, yeah. people were quoting uh, civil rights leaders and people were talking about, I remember, you know, in some of the uh, Latinx circles that were, you know, they said, you know, la lucha continuar, you know, so they're saying like, you know, the fight continues. And I'm like, mm, and it just yeah. took me and, 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 and to hear people's, like people literally, like you said, when you said people get fired up, I'm like, man, I, why do you think that is? Like, what, what is it particularly about like same sex marriage LGBTQ, just mm. basic rights. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> what what do you think that is? Break that down for me, Bianca. Come on. I mean, I think there's so many things. I think it's really interesting for ethnic churches in particular, right? Because I think the church, like I said before, is a place definitely of belonging. If you're an immigrant, like that's your fam your church family is your family. If you're away from your biological family, right? Um, you get food there. Like you, you literally, it's your for a lot of times your network for survival. Hmm. And at the same time, I feel like the ethnic church is also a, a site for assimilation. And it also teaches you what it means to be quote, a U.S. citizen in this country, which is like to be a political supposedly, and to be quote, a good citizen and to follow like the rules and the laws of the land. Yeah. Um, and so because, um, I feel like at least I can only speak from my context, right? But I feel like folks in my community look to the church, um, not just for what it means to be a Christian, but what it means to be a citizen of this country. And citizenship becomes conflated then with, quote, with like the religious teachings. And that becomes conflated with marriage should only be between a man and a woman. And so I feel like, yeah, all of those things tie together feels like it raises such huge stakes hmm. um that it's so it's more than just like i don't know it's more than just i, I think definitely maybe it, 
makes people feel uncomfortable because we're just raised in this heteronormative environment. But on the top of that, I feel like it it pushes people's buttons of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a person in this country. Mm. Um, and what it means to like have stability and resources, right? Because yeah. all of those identities, being LGBTQ, being queer falls outside of the norm of what it means to be a Christian and an American. Um, and because those things are conflated together, then it becomes like doubly threatening uh, if there's someone in your community who comes Ooh. out. Cool. That's deep. That's deep. And that, I like what, let me, let me pick it back on this one then. I mean, I think that's particularly what it means to be Christian. I've found that that just either whether it be in my own research, and this is actually something I've, I'd like to pick up now, especially now that, you know, tenure and all that crap is done. But it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, because I've found that people get unnerved when the the myth and the imagination around what it means to be Christian is disturbed in really any form um, or fashion. Um, and I don't know if you've encountered that, Um but what I mean, and talk to me a little bit more than about, you know, your, you, your, your faith experience. I mean, you talk about a Buddhism I mean, how does your mom engage with yeah. you and how does that all flow together or not? I yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because a lot of our communities and indigenous communities and our like cultural, spiritual practices, pre-colonialism was, were actually very affirming of gender and sexual, sexual fluidity, like in history, like, for example, in Filipinx communities, there were transgender, what we would call now transgender um, folks in the community who would be pastors and leaders because they were seen as holy or extra sacred. Mm. Right. And so in the same way, it was so interesting. Uh, I can tell the story of when I like, quote, came out to my parents, which coming out to me is a very Western concept. Um, I think for like, for folks who come from maybe more indirect cultures, it just doesn't it doesn't work like that. Um, mm. But anyways, regardless, I felt like I had to have a conversation with my parents as the university purge was happening. Um, and it was because, yeah, I was doing some activism around that, was about to lose my job and felt like I should probably let them know what was going on. Um, but it was interesting because for me, I am straight passing. I'm married now to a cisgendered man and have been straight passing for basically all of my life. Mm. Um, and so when I had this conversation with my parents, it was very confusing for them why I needed to talk about it. Um, and they, they understood like the activism and they understood why I needed to take a stand against my organization, but they were con so confused as to like, why do you need to make this personal? about you <laughs> because for them they're like you don't need to like say anything about it because it's assumed that everyone is kind of fluid that's actually what they said to me <laughs> they're like uh -huh. this isn't that big of a deal and they were like they, we feel like you're experiencing so much pain because of christianity and because christianity has made it such a huge deal where my Whoa. mom referenced like in buddhist communities like a lot of people are just, it's just kind of accepted and not, doesn't necessarily need to be named that people are fluid. Um, and so, so one, the concept of me needing to name it and two, needing to have a conversation about it actually made them very uncomfortable. Um, but for me, it was extremely healing, right? Because I have been under this framework of like, people like don't accept me or don't accept these identities. Um, I, as someone who's straight passing, like feel all this tension and I feel all these things about who I am, but it's just, it just gets erased. Um, so I felt so much need to again, name and have conversations about it. And when I did with my parents, it was so interesting because they, they weren't resistant, but they were just like, I don't know. It was, it was like, it's yeah. With exactly what my mom said, like, 
it's not a big deal. It's kind of assumed that people just like aren't necessarily always one thing or another. And that's fine. Man. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was really crazy and refreshing and um, healing in a lot of ways because I think I had been experiencing so much rejection and fear um, from my faith community and, you know, moving away. Um, I had just kind of assumed that that would be the same experience talking to my parents too. Wow. It really, it really wasn't. Yeah. That's yeah. a trip. I mean, that's, uh, wow. There's so much there. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, well, and I say that because, you know, you, you I mean, we, we hear these stories all the time, right? About folks coming out, talking with their parents, and it's just long drawn out. People who are still having issues with their parents who are Christian. And that's, I mean, man, that is, yeah, that's deep. I, yeah, I do want to say, though, I think a big part of it for them is like, OK, this doesn't change anything about how about your like physical security, mm -hmm. which is their main priority. Right. OK. They're like, you're you're still partnered, like nothing changes where I think if I were to bring, for example, a female partner home, it might not be as like celebratory or accepting. I, I think you. they would be accepting ultimately. But I I think it, it does. I, I recognize that uh, my experience is what it is because I was partnered at the time and again, have been like straight passing for my whole life, basically. Man. Yeah. Wow. But it was wow. still a trip though. <laughs> yeah. 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 And now was there any grief? Like when you became a Christian, was there anything like, Oh, are you a Christian now? Or was it just yeah, more of the same? There was. Oh, there was. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 So when I, yeah, it happened. It, uh, when I was in high school, I like went to a church retreat and it was a, great experience. Um, and then I got really involved in church. I was spending like three days a week there, all my weekends. Um, and they were really concerned of just how much time I was spending with them. I don't know if they would say grief, but it, it's kind of intense. I can see from their perspective now, right. It's kind of intense when your child and I'm the only child, right. Uh, is experiencing, uh. um, like a huge shift in their identities and who they hang out with, how they spend their time. Um, but you're not a part of that and it's totally foreign to you. They've never really had any experiences with church. Um, they did come visit during that time sometimes. And, uh, there was a family we were really close to at the church, but they really, it was all new territory for them. So I don't know if it was grief, but it was, it was very mysterious to them. And they definitely were like imposing a lot of, um, boundaries. Like you cannot be spending this much time at church. This is ridiculous. Um, yeah, man. Okay. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Right. 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 It, oh man. So, okay. so, 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 so where do I start here? I mean, cause there is, I mean, this is just, this is rich and you know, I always appreciate folks and I appreciate you, you know, sharing just, uh, the tender parts. I mean, of that, I mean, how, we, I mean, in what I'm forgetting, what, what year did you say you, you came out or when did you like first realize like, okay, look, I'm, yo, this is, you know, yeah. uh, I don't think I felt any need to actually come out until InterVarsity was mm. doing their whole thing. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, again, because I went to a women's college where it was kind of just assumed that everyone is like on a spectrum of okay. sorts. Okay. Um, and so that was really great for me, right. To not necessarily need to name anything, but just kind of like be, um, and then I, I had like, you know, just asked questions throughout my adolescence and adulthood, but it wasn't until university named that, like, this is what we believe. This is the policy. This is what you're supposed to teach. Then it forced me to kind of evaluate, okay, not only what do I believe, but where do I personally fall 
in everything that's happening. Um, and what is this, what are, you know, what's my faith community around me saying, not just about theology, but about me. Um, and so that's when I felt pushed. Um, and it was a very, I feel like holy and sacred process, um, where God was like, you know, this is a moment when you can share with people that you're around, like kind of what you're thinking and feeling. And Mm -hmm. and that began kind of a process of me really coming to own that, like, okay, I'm not just like, I don't, I haven't just had, you know, phases of questioning, but I actually identify as like bi or queer or pan, um, whatever words I wanted to use in the moment. Um, and, and that me identifying and not just kind of going with the flow and pretending like, because I am, um, partners doesn't really matter. You know, it, it was really like, no, it, it does matter. Um, but it was tempting to just kind of blend in and assimilate to straightness because that obviously would be easier. Um, but again, in the conversation, I felt like there was just kind of like a divine invitation to not just assimilate, but to take the risk to become more myself publicly, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, I mean, so now in the pursuit, uh, or applying to PhD programs, um, and whatnot, and obviously in a different space, how is, how has that all affected just your, your family life? I mean, I, I'm speaking and I'm, oh, yeah. and I'm, and I'm asking just as a fan, as, as an only child myself, oh, um, really? okay. and, and coming from that environment, um, uh, you know, I mean, I identify as a cis male, um, uh-huh. hetero and, and whatnot, but <laughs> the, but in all that is that, you know, I didn't marry outside of my race. So that was, you know, that's been, you know, that I know that's been a sensitive issue for, mm-hmm. for my mom, um, as well, um, ongoing. So I just be curious just how that currently, you know, how that resides or just, you know, leaving a varsity and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be curious if you feel like answering, I'm mean, again, this is, you yeah, know, you yeah, can yeah, always totally. turn, turn anything down. I'm asking. <laughs> no, and I would love to hear, I mean, I'm just beginning the process. So I would also love to hear like, your experience with academia as well. Um, but I think in terms of family life, my parents are pretty supportive. I mean, it was very unconventional of me to go into ministry after I graduated. Right. Um, Hmm. but they came along. And so I feel like I do a lot of things that they're not comfortable with. So I feel like at this point, they're just kind of like, okay, (laughs) uh, this is not out of the ordinary. Um, so I'm very grateful to have their support. Um, and, um, yeah, I think in terms of pursuing a doctor, I, I, when I left university, I actually entered a ethnic studies, Asian American studies master's program at SF state. And that was probably the best and perfect place for me to be in as I was leaving this in a very kind of traumatic way, mm. um, because that space was extremely healing for me. It gave me categories and language to name like what I was going through kind of in real time. Um, and also, you know, things that I have, I had gone through in the past too, but that, that program kind of introduced me to teaching, which is why I am pursuing a doctorate. <laughs> um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like my master's research, it feels like I'm not done. I feel like I, um, given, I don't know, my interests, kind of my giftings, I, um, and then again, just the ultimate goal of wanting to have more opportunities to teach. It feels like it makes the most sense, but I have to be honest, I'm super intimidated 
by the process. I've heard horror stories <laughs> uh, from mostly people of color, women of color of just, I mean, yeah, I, I, going in as eyes wide open as possible, mm-hmm. knowing that academia is built not for us. Um, yeah. That, like many other institutions, it's racist and sexist and homophobic um, that on like people steal each other's research or steal each other's grants and yeah that all is very intimidating (laughs) um but at the same time I feel like I have like you know I have something to say and I have gifts to offer and I I want to do more research and I feel like Janet Mock has this really great quote like we are worth writing ourselves into history Mm. and I feel like that is um kind of what moves me to continue to want to do research and writing and stuff so no, I mean, I, well, and yes, I mean, all of that. I mean, I, I, this is, and this is all great ground to cover. I mean, cause I think, you know, there is that, I mean, right. And then there's, there's different, even subgroups within that. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you got Christian higher ed, um, mm-hmm. which is different in many ways from just higher ed in general. And then you've got, mm-hmm. Um, you know, having spent the, you know, 10 years on the, on the adjunct circuit, it's like, man, you know, it's like you go to community college, you go yeah. to, um, you know, four years, you go four year private, four year for profit, mm-hmm. four year online. I mean, so mm-hmm. all of these little subgroups have their own kind of networks and, and intricacies, but I find, at least I've found the, that yes, the D ones and R one universities, you know, like Stanford and UCLA and USC, you know, they all have their issues and they have their, their big headed peoples. Cause you know, let's just be honest. I mean, if you're on a nine month <laughs> contract and you only yeah. have to teach a two, one load mm. <laughs> um, yeah. and people are praising you left and right about what, how great of a person you are. I mean that, you know, that can become infectious really quick. Right. Yeah. But that being said, <laughs> Christian higher ed is just is is really nefarious and I'm still trying to figure out why (laughs) so yeah that's my only thing it's like man just try to stay away if you can from Christian higher ed no I'm just yeah well uh, I I mean I say that facetiously but um sure 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 everybody's got yeah what are things you felt like have helped you stay in Christian higher ed this long um, well, you know, I know people go, you know, they're kind of hot and cold with guilds and professional societies, but I've really enjoyed the American Academy of Religion. I mean, I always talk about it here on the podcast and people mm-hmm. I've met, I've actually brought people on. I mean, I go every year. Um, it's an oasis for me because it is a space very similar to like you were talking about, you know, your undergrad years, right? It's just like they, they realize not just from a sexual orientation, people on a spectrum, but just theologically, ideologically. Mm-hmm. And so there mm-hmm. is this room to investigate and explore what what faith looks like and from many, many different uh, environments. And so you got the mm-hmm. humanists, you got the Gnostics, you got mm-hmm. the womanists, you got the black, you know, Baptists. And of course, you've got, you know, evangelicals and conservatives there, but it's such mm-hmm. a been a freeing space that has that has helped me it's also gotten me into a lot of trouble (laughs) i want to hear about that uh, but (laughs) but you know i mean it's 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 worth it i think um in the end um i think uh that and then just have it because that's helped me develop deeper networks um with people of color and Mm -hmm. 
you know, my therapist a long time ago told me, like, he said, you know, your community, and if you're going into higher ed, your community will be other academics, and, you know, you'll meet once a year. And I was like, man, you know, I don't, that's, that's not enough. And as an extrovert, yeah. And, a, and a, you know, an Enneagram 4, I mean, it's just, it's not a... I'm it, a 4, too. Get out of here. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 4, 3. Oh, oh, my goodness. I'm 4, 3, 2. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. You don't meet a lot of those. So that's, that's, uh, that's all right. We're the best. <laughs> I know. That's it. We are the best. That's right. Um... So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but that's, that's sort of what's happened, right? It's like, you know, that, that has become... That has become the community and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just trying to work through that and figure out what that, you know, what that looks like long term. Um, mm-hmm. I think now as a tenure looking at full professorship in yeah. a Christian higher ed environment, I don't know what that's going to look like because um, the current sociopolitical system just doesn't, you know, it it doesn't allow for anything outside of a binary, you know, you, the us are against us. And so that is yeah. spreading. It's like, uh, it's like on the never ending story. It's like the darkness is spreading throughout and everything and it's overcoming yeah, and everything. Every single institution and part of your life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I wish I had a flying dragon so I can, you know, just kind of escape it or a, yes. a big rock that was pushing things along. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are those are those are my. That's how I've survived. Just that and writing, writing, writing okay. staves off depression and anxiety and um and, you know and quite honestly you know suicidal ideations. I mean that stuff runs yeah. in my family, so mm-hmm. I've had to work on stuff like that, all that fun emotional stuff. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations on your new book. I'm excited to read it. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, yeah. I, do you have a copy? I have to send you a copy. Not yet. <laughs> okay, I'll have to send you a copy. Yeah, well, when we get off this, I'll have to Sounds give me good. send me your send me your address. I'll do that. Sounds um, good. Thank you. But tell me just a little bit more then about for you. Then I mean, moving forward, like what what are you hoping to do? What are you hoping? And where are you currently at now? Are you just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. applying <laughs> things now? And then are you? I mean, yeah. How do yeah? How do the nuts yeah. and bolts work day to day? Yeah. Um. I well, I work full time. Um. I work for a nonprofit. I do youth organizing. So I nice. get to work with a group of high schoolers who um, are focused on gender-based violence. So they do workshops. Um, they do campaigns, mostly in API communities in Oakland and San Francisco, um, basically just educating their peers on things like toxic masculinity and healthy relationships. Mm. Um, and so it's really fun. It's my day job that pays the pill, pays the bills, but also I think um, keeps me feeling motivated and engaged, um, and inspired. Hmm. And then I teach a class. I lecture with Laney with a community college here in Oakland. Um, I teach a women of color class. Um, that's what's up. And so that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I appreciate the opportunity to get to, yeah, still be in education and be with youth. Um, what was the question again? Oh, what am I doing now? Oh, I'm, yeah. So that's like my day to day, uh, and studying for the GRE currently. Yeah. Um, looking at programs and trying to have a social life, but that doesn't always happen. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'm still figuring out, you know, what I want to do within the field of sociology. I know I want to look at sociology of religion of some sort. Um, My master's thesis was on queer API uh, millennials in evangelical 
spaces. Mm. Oh. And so I honestly ended up interviewing a lot of my friends and students who were leaving or were still part of university who identified as LGBT. Um, and I want to do something related to that still. I want to explore like kind of what are, um, what does faith, spirituality, um, spiritual community look like for folks who have been excluded from the institution. And I feel like, yeah, if the, if the purpose of an institution, right, is to bring people together over a common purpose, then what happens when those people are excluded from the very institution that brought them together? Mm. Uh, they don't just disappear. They continue to live out, um, the valuable parts that they learned or they continue to form their own communities. And so I'm kind of interested in, yeah, what are those more grassroots imaginative forms of community and spirituality that are forming amongst folks who have been very explicitly excluded? Um, yeah. But that's just kind of broad questions right now. I'm sure it'll change a lot as I as I go. <laughs> yeah, no, well, yes. I mean, it, that's, that's, that, that's always the case. Um, what, all right. So let me, I got like four or five different thoughts in my mind here then about that. I mean, well, tell me about how you have been, let me start here. Let me, what, tell me about how you have been engaging with the, the current sociopolitical era. I mean, now you're in California, obviously there's, you know, a different yeah. environment over there. You've had what, eight years of Jerry Brown. Uh, he was yeah. the, the last governor I voted for, uh, in, for California. Um, what, and, you know, when I know the West coast is just different, I know San Francisco is different from, from Los mm -hmm. Angeles, but what is it, what has it been like just where you're at? I mean, yeah. and just, it just, it seems like every day is something new and crazy. Yeah, um, definitely. but how have you been, handling that and, and dealing with that and, and still yes. trying to keep some semblance of a, of a, of a faith together. Yeah. I have retreated to my bubble <laughs> and <laughs> you know, that's my prerogative. I'm going to yeah. stay with people who get it, who, and I'm, I'm not, I'm just done trying to convince people who don't see me to see me. I don't really care anymore. Um, I want to speak and serve like the students and folks who have had similar experiences with me as me maybe. Um, and I, yeah, I have a quota of white folks in my life and that quota is full. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm coping. I feel like, and I don't, yeah, I'm not going to be in this place forever, but it is a lot, like you said, and, um, it, it's a lot to, deal with and read about and also see impact your community from a day to day too. Um, and so, yeah, I work for an organization that is, um, all people of color and that's really great. Although we have, you know, our own challenges too. And then I don't know, it's, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at right now. I, again, I don't think I'll, be in this place forever, but it just feels, especially after everything with InterVarsity, I just feel like yeah. I don't have, I don't, for a long time, I didn't have the energy to try to engage with people, yeah. period, yeah. any people, um, much less people who I needed, I felt like I needed to like argue my, I don't know, existence. Right. Uh, right. And, and so, and so since then, I just feel like I've, I've, chosen to spend my energy focusing on 
people who give me life and people who I can serve in my work um, or in my classroom. Um, in terms of church, it's interesting. I do go to an affirming church that is predominantly white. So that's kind of the space where I'm like, okay, here I, I try to push a little bit <laughs> yeah. and um, engage more across differences. Uh, but even then, I don't know. I'm very protective of my energy. And that's good. I don't know if that's also just getting older too. I just am tired a lot more. Uh, mm-hmm. but again, I just, I'm choosy about who I spend time with and who I feel like is worth my investment. And I feel totally okay with that. Uh, I think maybe in my early twenties, I felt a lot more obligation to like <laughs> be a peacemaker or yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I just don't have that kind of time. <laughs> oh, you know what? You are you're speaking my language. That's exactly it. I mean, I, I, I could affirm that everything you just got through saying. I am in the same spot. People talking about, oh, let's reconcile. And I ain't got no, time for that. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we that that boat has left. Yeah. Um, and I ain't going to be hanging around nobody like who, you know, doesn't acknowledge my existence or doesn't or doesn't want other people who look like me to even be around right right right. and i'm sure you feel this too especially in christian academia but it's just extremely tiring to have to be the educator or to have to move at a certain pace where i just wonder like how much more imagination and creativity can we be building with other folks who have been saying and feeling the same things we've been feeling for a much longer time (laughs) right right yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, so, I mean, cause that's been one of the, the themes I've been trying to play on this, this season is just rest Sabbath, um, you know, emotional renewal. And like you talked, you just said it, it's like, you know, I'm very protective of my energy. What are some of those, what are some of the things that you say no to? And some of the things that you do say yes to, um, in your life that helps you, you know, keep that, uh, that hedge around just you, your energy and just, you know, who you are, your personhood. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard. I mean, it's easy to say, right. But in real life, there's so Mm -hmm. many demands and people. Um, what do I say yes to? I say yes to people who I think have been ride or die for me throughout the last few years, especially. I feel like, uh, a lot of my loyalties were tested the last few years. And that actually was very helpful because then I got to know like, okay, this friendship isn't going to be really worth that much of my time anymore. We can be acquaintances, but it's not going to be the level of depth that maybe I was hoping for. Um, and so I, I just, I'm, I think, I don't know if this is also my personality as a four too, but I feel like I'm constantly evaluating my relationships. Um, as I get older, I realize like, you know, there's stability in relationships. I can trust folks to have my back and I'm going to have theirs too. Um, but I think like, in the last few years, I've been doing more evaluating because again, like I said earlier, I just don't have time for everyone and everything. And yeah, I just, I've been trying to ask the question more kind of like the Marie Kondo show, right? Like, is this going to spark joy? (laughs) Is this going to like produce life and happiness basically? Uh, And I might sound kind of, I don't know, hedonistic. Like I only want to pursue like things that are fun, but I don't, No, I think like in our current sociopolitical climate, it's also about our survival and sustainability, too, because the work that we do is hard and we should like, you know, our own joy and pleasure is part of our activism, too. Um, And so like tangibly what that looks like is, I think, 
spending time doing or attending creative things with people who I know and don't have to explain anything to. And I do have, I'm grateful to have like a core of people in my life, whether they live in Oakland with me or in the Bay area or they're long distance friends. I, I, I feel like I have a pretty solid group of folks who I know are my people and kind of beyond that. I don't really outside of those folks. I, I'm a lot more um, hesitant to to say yes to things (laughs) if they ask me to do things. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How do you you decide that for yourself? Oh my gosh. I mean, well, I think very similar. I mean, I've, I've over the last like nine years or so I've, I've gotten better at saying no. I think, you know, one of the things I struggle with, like you said, early twenties, I mean, shoot for that matter, the thirties as well. I mean, was just (laughs) like, you know, just wanting, like you said, wanting to, oh, well, if this one thing, if I can do this one thing, maybe this will be, this will be it. And this will be the sign that, you know, we'll, you know, mend the, the races or whatever. And, you know, and then it's like after the 2016 election, it was just like, you know mm-hmm. what? Screw all this, man. I, uh-uh. I I am done with that. I feel like I, I gave away a lot of good energy mm-hmm. that didn't yield anything. And so, um, I don't know, just, I, I've been really reevaluating a lot of, my own theological journey and what, you know, what is, what does Christianity mean? Somebody said it the other day. In fact, uh, one of the uh, interviews that I just had this weekend, um, one of the podcasts was on trying to fit everybody in. And so uh, somebody said, you know, Christianity is the white man's religion. um, Mm -hmm. And it probably always will be, at least in our foreseeable future. And I was like, huh. And just trying to been breaking out of that mainframe and that, that can take, you know, that can take energy and stuff. I mean, so, uh, one of the things though, that's, that's helped is has been this podcast. I mean, I love yeah. doing this type of creative work. This is, uh, this is great for me as a four. And then I also do mm-hmm. my music. Um, not enough because <laughs> you know, life and kids and yeah. trying to be whatever to whoever. And, um, mm-hmm. it's yeah. Um, but those have been, in fact, I was just talking with my wife the other night, you know, and she was just like, yeah, you know, you're like your whole mood is like even mm-hmm. out um, so much over the last, you know, four or five months. And, you know, just by getting back into notation and music theory and all that stuff. And so I, you know, I feel like a whole, whole new side of my mind has awakened. And that's been good. Um, right. Having spent 15 years in therapy and, and working through a lot of heavy shit, I yeah. feel like that also helped and gave me some good coping mechanisms although there are days when i just have to you know i'm just like shoot i gotta take a few extra you know zolofs to help to get through the day (laughs) and medication i mean that's the other side of it right i got you know i i take stuff every day so um that's been a that's been a a surviving agent especially uh when the pilgrims uh as my good friend sean Watkins says uh you know the pilgrims are you know on my last damn nerve um Um, now, I mean, in terms of, you know, looking forward, I mean, are you hoping to write? Are you hoping to do more speaking? Are you wanting to be at a research institute? Are you wanting to, to end up in Christian higher? I mean, I'm, I'm curious, I'd be curious, you know, what, yeah. uh, what you think about that and all that good stuff. Yeah, I, I want to do all of it, except for maybe the last one. I don't think I want to end up in Christian higher ed. All right, yay! Um, yeah, well, I just feel like higher ed sounds already stressful and toxic enough to begin with. I don't think I necessarily need to add Christianity and my very fraught relationship with that into the mix. 
Um, although I think the work that I do will always be spiritual. Right. Um, but I want to, I really love being in the classroom. That to me is my creative outlet or an outlet where I get to bring my different creative projects into, um, my pedagogy and curriculum. And so I'm, I, and I know the, the job market really sucks for doctorates. Um, and so I'm going into this recognizing that one, the job market sucks. I have to be realistic. And two, my ultimate, I think I come to life when I get to teach and work with a group of students. And so I, I'm going into this knowing I'm going to have to be okay. Um, continuing to teach at community college or maybe even high school again. Right. Mm. Uh, which I mean, when I tell people, they're like, why are you doing this then? That's just like what you're doing now. But that's just a place that I feel like I, I have to be realistic. Um, and so, yeah, I, I ultimately, I enjoy being in the classroom. I would love to speak and do more research. Yeah. Everything you said, basically, I want to do more of, um, I've spoken a little bit in different conferences and at my church, but I don't know. I, I'm very, I feel after I left university, I feel very far removed from like, I don't know, all of those evangelical conferences and organizations. And I feel yeah. very happy being away from that. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of speaking, I don't necessarily see myself being in those spaces um unless they have a unless they're explicitly affirming and have a critical analysis of race and power um i have had a really a, a really positive experience speaking at the reformation project conference a few years ago okay um, and so spaces like that i feel like have been huge to my healing and i i love um working with folks there so i think like continuing in that kind of capacity <laughs> No, that's cool. Yeah, I know. I've been trying to figure out uh, some different spaces. I mean, um, you know, it's like the whole CCDA thing. I, I mean, I wasn't even going to go to that. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, uh, but, you know, I was that a good thing you did. Oh, man. Well, thank you. And, you know, and I and, I, you know, I did it. But. Uh, well, you know, I mean, the thing is, I mean, I would say I, it's been like a 50 to one ratio of like 50 positive, maybe one negative and stuff. I mean, so it's been really overwhelmingly positive that people have responded so well. It's like, you know, and I felt like, you know, OK, that was a space and place that. I felt like I earned the right. Like I've been around for a long time and I know the the organization. So I'm not just coming out of left field. Like I'm like, no, 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 no. I've been around. So I'm just like, no, it's it's we got to. We got to step some things up. Um, yeah. But even in that, right, it's like it's it's the fear that I, drives me nuts about those mm. damn conferences. Right. It's like <laughs> things are going to change and like no one wants yeah. to call out the bullshit of, like yeah. you said, you know, heteronormativity, sexual orientation. You know, it's like then you get people who have money and so much of the money <laughs> in Christian uh, environments is wrapped up in white conservative male spaces. And so. Right. Of course, they ain't going to want to be hearing, you know, stuff about who they are. So it's yeah. like, well, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's so much energy is spent into just getting folks to name and call things out. At least that's what I remember from my experience being in those spaces where then we don't even get to like the actual problem solving because so much energy right. is is put into even acknowledging that there's a problem in the first place. And to me, that's just not productive. But I, I know, obviously, it's part of the process, it's part of the work, but 
I don't think that's necessarily what I'm good at. So I don't think that I, I would be helpful in those spaces. No. Well, I mean, and I, I guess I, and I feel the same way. And, and I, I feel like I keep hearing the same story. It's the, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, things don't change overnight. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we, and, you know, we're just, we're just here serving the Lord. And, yeah. you know, that person, they're not going to change. Well, you know, we're just yeah. going to keep loving. I mean, I'm just like, God damn, I'm just, yeah. James Baldwin said it the best. He's like, how long do you need? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how long do you, my, yeah. how much longer do you need to change? It's like my, you know, yeah. my grandparents was waiting on change. And my grandparents yeah. before they were mm-hmm. waiting on change. It's like, God yep. damn. So yep. I just did, I did, I gave up on all. Yeah, I can't say all. There are still some that I show up to, and mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of great folks who still identify, sure. who POCs who identify as evangelical that are there doing some great work. I just yeah. know for me, I'm just I'm just past and beyond because it does it saps the the energy, right? It's like you yeah. go there, and it's like oh Lord have mercy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know as we're having this conversation, I think one of the hardest things for me too is with with what you said. It's there's a spiritual manipulation behind it too. Of yes, you need to be loving and be patient. Where no, that's manipulative of you to say that to me. So, right, right, yeah. exactly. So, oh man, she's. Well, this has been amazing. I was just looking at the time and I'm like, oh my gosh, it has been over 40 minutes. I'm like, that is just flies. So as I tell all the great guests, I'll have to get you back on and uh, talk because there's still so much more to cover. But Bianca, where can uh, folks get a hold of you? Where can they read more of your stuff and hear more of you and all that good stuff, especially if they want to bring you out and pay you that fat honorarium? Yeah. Um, So uh, my writing is on salt collective um so you could i think it's saltcollective.org or dot com i have some stuff written up there um i have a piece coming out i think this month on inheritance those are more non-academic stuff people can also email me or tweet me my twitter is beyonks b-e-y-o-n-k-z if they want some more of my academic work um and so yeah those are the that's the best place to reach me probably is on Twitter. <laughs> no, that's great. And again, for those of you who are listening, as always, I'll put these, all these great links in the show notes, whiteoutpodcast.com. Bianca, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you so much. Have a good night.